This is a podcast from Camden Community Radio. For more information and to volunteer, email info at ccradio.org. Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of Camden's Hidden Treasures. In this episode, I'm talking to Brian about one of his favourite people in the history of Camden, a man with a remarkable story who did great things for the people of Camden of his day and whose work continues to benefit people to this day. We're going to talk about Thomas Coram. My name is Brian. We're in a relatively quiet bit of Bloomsbury in front of the Foundling Museum, which is a museum about the Foundling Hospital. The hospital isn't here anymore. Obviously, the museum is. The hospital occupied the site of some playing fields next door. And if you listen carefully to the background of what I'm saying, you will probably hear children playing there still, which is very appropriate. In particular, we are standing next to a statue, a sculpture, of the founder of the museum, Thomas Coram. He is a remarkable man. Now, on the face of things, uh, he was childless. You might not think that it's particularly unusual for a rich, childless man with compassion about him endowing a a hospital, a home for children, uh, which is what the Foundling Hospital was. Uh, But what is unusual is that Thomas Coram was not rich, was never rich. He wasn't influential either. Um, If we look at the statue here in front of us, you can see that he wasn't rich. He has slightly unkempt, disorderly hair. He looks as if he's been walking the streets, which he did a lot, as I will explain. He's wearing a a rather worn greatcoat, street clothes. And the key to the Foundling Museum, or to the Foundling Hospital rather, is in his right hand. It's a royal charter. Another indication that Thomas Coram could not set up this uh, um, uh, home for children all on his own. He, he needed a collective effort, and the only way of arranging a collective enterprise in the 1740s was to get the grant of a charter which specified members of the great and good who would look after the hospital, run it, make sure its funds were not misapplied. So in order to explain what he achieved, I need to tell you something about him and his background. He was born in Lyme Regis to a poor but respectable family. His mother died when he was only young and he must have felt her loss, the loss of good parenting throughout the whole of his life, which no doubt was a, was a motivating factor for the children's home. But he was sent to sea by his father when he was only 11. He did that for a few years, became an apprentice shipbuilder and somebody must have noticed that he had energy and and capacity because a rich London merchant sent him off to what were then the North American colonies to form a shipbuilding business on the merchant's behalf, which he did very successfully. In the end, though, uh, 
by his mid-40s, the business had utterly failed. Not because of any lack of business acumen on Coram's part. He thought that the North American Indians should play an active part in the life of the colony. The Puritans that were there around him couldn't have disagreed more. He wanted to found an Anglican church and an Anglican community. Again, the Puritans around him couldn't have disagreed more. And he was a man that was not good at dealing with disagreement. He tended to take it personally. He fell out with people. For all these reasons, the business failed. So he was back in London in his mid-40s with his American wife. He noticed in the desperately poor areas of London that young children were babies were being abandoned on refuse heaps along with dead dogs, dead cats. He thought that was appalling. The reason they were abandoned is that they were the result of a liaison between two poor people. The father inevitably absconded. The mother was not in a position to look after the child. What else could she do? Unimaginably desperate thing to do, but it happened. Coram decided he was going to do something about this. He tried to get the church interested. He tried to get rich men interested to no avail. And the reason for that is that society at the time was extremely hard-edged, avaricious. Everybody was on the make. It was the beginning of empire. And people preferred to think of the poor, which were in front of them, as being poor through their own fault. And in particular, there was a prejudice against finding homes for illegitimate children. People thought, well, if you do that, it will just encourage them. So he made no headway at all, and then a truly extraordinary thing happened. Somehow, he got successive introductions to rich and powerful women, the wives, duchesses, countesses of powerful noblemen. Nobody knows how he got his first introduction. Probably he was introduced by a rich merchant who valued Coram and his views. But... One after another, they signed up to his idea of a petition for a children's hospital. It is probably no coincidence that the ladies of quality and distinction, which he called them, that signed his initial petition, were all ladies of the bedchamber of Queen Caroline, who, it is known, supported the idea. So probably she was standing behind there somewhere pulling the strings. But society at the time granted to women no place in political or economic affairs, but they were thought of in some way as being moral guardians. And the fact that these very high-born women threw their support behind this thing meant that it was then much easier for Coram to get support from the people that he needed to contribute money and time to get the thing going. The Dukes and the Viscounts themselves, certainly, they fell into line, but in order to run it after it was set up, he needed a lot of help from middle classes, merchants, doctors, lawyers, that were used to getting things done, and he got that as well. So he had money, he had manpower. As a result of that, the Charter was granted and 
the thing was up and running. The hospital for abandoned children, called the Foundling Hospital, could be set up, funded and did its job. All because of the energy, determination, immense determination, of one rather poor man. And so now when you're visiting the statue of Thomas Coram, which people might do if they listen to this, they can also go into the museum. Um, could you tell me a little bit about what they could find in the museum? Yes. A second utterly remarkable thing about the Foundling Hospital is it, it needed money not just to run it, but it needed continual donations so it could continue its work. William Hogarth, the foremost English painter of the time, rounded up artists and craftsmen, got them to decorate, furnish, do pictures for the hospital so that people would come and visit it and give money. Uh, an extraordinary act. At the time, a very unusual way of funding anything charitable, often done these days. But all of that work was transferred from the hospital to this museum. And notably, uh, there is a picture of Thomas Coram by William Hogarth, another childless man with a compassionate frame of mind. And that picture is worth the admission alone, I think. And it is that picture which is the direct inspiration for this statue. And how did you choose Thomas Coram out of all the different things in Camden? People say that I bear a physical resemblance to Thomas Coram. Uh, that is not the reason I did it. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I did it is that uh, uh, I utterly admire the man and what he achieved in his time. And it's a story that a lot of people don't know. Thank you so much for sharing it. And if you'd like to learn more about Thomas Coram or the stories of the foundlings or the painters and artists that Coram collaborated with to help these foundlings, you can visit the, the museum that we were standing outside, the Foundling Museum. Their website is foundlingmuseum.org.uk and all the information about the exhibitions and events and opening hours is on there. They have a really great interactive, child-friendly exhibition about the history of the foundlings, but they also have lots of new collaborations with artists, poets, authors, so on. So go and visit this hidden treasure and listen to the rest of the podcast in this series for more hidden treasures of Camden. You can also find details about walks that Brian or any of the other Camden guides are doing on www.camdenguides.com. Thank you for listening. You are listening to a podcast from Camden Community Radio. www.ccradio.org Thank you.